Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everyone. I've got good news and bad news. Good news is there's not much on the paper. Bad news is I can pad that out for two hours. <laughs> Murray asked me, would I give my testimony? And I said, sure. Didn't even think about it, just said, I'll just do it. And then I had to think about it and it was a little bit difficult. So, <laughs> because I, um, I, was, I was born in 1962. Yep, chicken. 24th of October, 1962, I was six days late. Um, Two years later, my future bride was born on the 18th of October. She was six days early, which proved to me that she can be early. (laughs) She's down there. I'm I'm safe up here, but I'm a bit worried now. But um, I grew up in a Christian household. I, um, we, um, when I was born, my parents were attending uh, Auburn Baptist Church. We lived in Auburn. And um, I gave my life to Jesus at the age of seven. Um, it was in a church service that um, I was attending with my parents and my brother and sister. And um, the minister, the Reverend Alan Neat, had said that A seven-year-old boy had given his life to Jesus the night before and I said, I'm seven, I can do it too. That's fantastic. So I filled in the card and put it in the offering plate and and on the way out, um, the Reverend Alan Neat um, pulled me aside and um, I I said the prayer and uh, gave my life to Jesus. So that was that. When I was 13, I decided that seven was too young to give your life to Jesus, so I'm going to do it again, so I did it again. Um, And then when I was 15, we'd moved to um, Beecroft by then, and um, I I was baptised at at 15 by the Reverend Darcy Taplin. Um, Went through the Youth Fellowship uh, and um, met my bride at Epping. She, um, I remember walking in to before church fellowship um, and sitting down and looked across the room into the beautiful blue eyes of this cute blonde and she was looking at me and she looked away when I looked at her and then she looked back at me again so I looked away and um, yes, it was just like a Disney movie. Anyway, we got married in 86 and, um, and we've, we've had three beautiful daughters who've married to, mar- managed to uh, marry three fine young men, two from this church and one from a C3 church down in Canberra and uh, I have forgiven him for taking my daughter away but only just. But um, what I'm going to talk about really is how God's worked in my life. 
and how he's guided me and how he has answered prayer. So the Bible reading, there's a couple here, but this first one is Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. So when I left school, no idea what I wanted to do, so I joined uh, the Commonwealth Bank. And I was working in the Commonwealth Bank and um, two friends of my parents, uh, Dr Neville York and Dr Jean Collison, uh, they actually had been our Sunday school teachers as well. They took me flying one day and I have no idea why they decided to take me flying. They just rang up and said, Craig, do you want to go flying? I said, sure. So I went flying and I was hooked. I fell in love with it. And so I decided that I was going to be a pilot and I had to work towards that. But before that, um, I was a boys brigade officer as well at Epping Baptist. And so this is one of the things that you don't know what's going to happen when, when you um, just trust God. So one Monday evening I walked into the, into, into the room where the officers were and there was four of us. There was um, Graham Cooper, Graham Bryce and George Bourne and myself. Graham Bryce was the officer in charge. I walked in and he said, Craig, you play the piano, don't you? And I said, yeah, I play the piano. He said, I've got to do um, a sing-along at the men's breakfast on Saturday. This is Monday night, so this is next Saturday. I said, yeah. He said, can you play the piano for it? I said, sure, not a problem. And he said, oh, that is fantastic. I had no idea who I was going to ask. So I said, no problems, I'll do that. And he walked out the room. And as soon as he walked out the room, doubt walked in. And it was like somebody whispered in my ear, you idiot, why did you do that for? He's old. He was in his mid-30s, I was 19. He's old. He's going to choose something that I don't want to play. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to make a fool of myself. That was a dumb thing to do. Why did you do it? And so I said, okay, I'm, just, I'm going to tell him I can't do it. Then I thought, you know, he was so relieved, I can't let him down. What I need is something to disguise the mistakes. And Graham Cooper walked in. I said, Graham, you play electric guitar, don't you? He said, yeah. I said, do you want to play at the men's breakfast next Saturday? He said, sure, I'll play. I said, great. Could disguise some mistakes. You know all about that, don't you? <laughs> And then Graham Bryce walked back in and I said, oh, Coop, he's going to bring his electric guitar. And he said, fantastic idea, I bring my bass. I said, you play bass? He said, yeah. Turned out that Graham Bryce was semi-professional, played most weekends in a wedding band. And we laughed and we said, wouldn't it be funny if George played the drums? And George walked in and guess what? George played the drums. So we got together Thursday night. I got the music on Tuesday night. It was easy. I had nothing to worry about but my own fears. And, um, and we played on, on, on the Saturday morning. Then on Sunday, got a phone call at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They want us to play tonight, a praise service. I said, Graham, we can't play. We, we haven't practised anything. He said, we'll play what we played yesterday. I said, but they've heard that. He said, no, only the men. The women haven't heard it. The men won't care. So, so we played Sunday night 
And then on the Tuesday, I got another phone call. We've got to play again. So we played the following Sunday night and then the following Sunday night. And I said, Graeme, how long were we playing? And he said, You're on, we're on every Sunday night until further notice. So that's how the big band at Epping Baptist was formed. And we called it the big band for two reasons. One, it was started by four Boys Brigade officers, BB. And the other one was that we ended up with 40 people in that band. We had numerous pianists, drummers, uh, bass players. Um, we had violins, flutes, oboes, saxophones. We had all sorts. And we played. And then we got asked to play at other churches. We actually came here to Dural and played here. And, um, and Brian will attest to that because he remembers. And we played in the, uh, the hall out here because this wasn't built yet. And um, we played at Guymere Baptist and there was a couple others we played in as well. That was 40 years ago, and that band's still going. So then I went to Cessnock, um, said, said goodbye to um, my, my future bride, who thought she was never going to see me again, but I said, don't you worry, I'll be back every weekend, which I was. And uh, went to Cessnock and learnt how to fly. Got my commercial licence, came back to Sydney, and discovered that I needed to get more hours. So I went back and joined the, the National Australia Bank. Now, God had a reason for that, because I met a bloke called Tony Devery. And Tony was a service station operator, and he said, Craig, I need workers on the weekend. And I said, I'm your man. So I worked in the, in the bank, the National Australia Bank, as a part-time teller. I worked in the service stations on the weekend. And, um, and then a couple of day, well, one, once a week I would go flying because I'd earn enough money to pay for an aeroplane and, and get my hours up. So I did all that, continued on. Eventually got my command instrument rating, which is what I was aiming for, and um, decided, okay, I need to get a job. So I left my then girlfriend. We'd moved on from friends to girlfriend and boyfriend. And um, travelled up and halfway around Australia. Went up to Cairns, had a job interview there, missed out. Went back down to Townsville, reintroduced to myself to a, an old friend, who John Lowe, who'd got married up there. Um, and then stayed with him a couple of nights. Went across to Mount Isa, up to Alice Springs, and I got a job. And half an hour later, I lost it. Um, somebody more qualified happened to walk in in, in that half-hour period and he said, I'm sorry, Craig, you'll have to be our second choice. This other bloke's just so much more qualifications, he needs to get the job. So, missed out. Went into Western Australia, searching for a job. Went down to Alice Springs, um, Ayers, Ayers Rock Airport. Didn't even see the rock, just drove from Alice Springs to Ayers Rock Airport. Had the interview, went back to Ayers, um, Alice Springs. I then... Um, travel back to Mount Isa. And Mount Isa is about 1,200 k's from Alice Springs. And I was doing it in one day. And at 7 o'clock at night, I crossed the Northern Territory Queensland border. And you don't want to be driving at that time of night because there's animals all over the place and you could hit them. And so I hit a, an animal. I came across a herd of um, cattle that bedded down on the road and, um, and one of them got up and was moving away, so I started to speed up and he came and charged me and just rammed the car. 
So the window broke. I was covered in glass. I had, um, I had, had the radiator um, jump into the, the fan. All the water got, went out. So I had a disabled car in the middle of nowhere, pitch black. Where was I? So I got a torch out, looked around, and I knew exactly where I was. I was 15, mile, uh, 15 kilometres from Camerwheel, because that's what the sign said. Took me two hours to limp into Camerwheel, and I stayed there. Now, Camerwheel hasn't got much there. The service station that I went to was also the caravan park, and it was also the motel, it had six rooms. It was also the, um, the bus stop for the Greyhound buses, and um, it was a roadhouse. So I went in there, it was the only place to stay, and said, can I have a room for the night? Because they're always empty. And he said, sorry, mate, it's all full. And I just thought, oh, no. And just then, his wife said, no, no, you can have room six. Somebody's just cancelled. I said, thank you, Lord. So I'm telling you all this because we're leading up to a crescendo. crescendo. I worked hard to, to, to get an aviation career. Um, I got the car fixed, I went back down to Sydney. Um, I, uh, within two weeks of being there, I got a phone call from somebody who said, there's a bloke called Jeff that wants uh, a pilot for his Queen Air, and that could be you. So I met with Jeff and I got the job. Only problem was it didn't pay any money. But it gave me hours, and I only had a couple of hundred hours in command, and normally to get a Queen Air endorsement you need about you know, a thousand hours. But I managed to get the Queen endorsement with 300 hours in command and, um, and that's what I did. But um, God had other plans. So I went from a Qantas interview. I was told by um, the interview panel, Mr. Glasby, they said, this is the best resume we've ever seen. There's a whole lot of stuff that I won't mention because too much time. And I thought I was getting into Qantas. And I thought, that's it. God has led me all this way. I'm getting into where I want to be. I want to fly for Qantas. My life's made. And then three things happened. One, Qantas rang up and said, we don't want you. A week later, the guy I was flying for, Jeff, in the Queen Air, rang me up and said, I've just stacked the aircraft. There is no more aircraft, no more work. And then a couple of days later, Tony, who I'd been working um, casually on the weekend, said, Craig, I've just bought a second service station. I want you to manage it. So I said, sure, I'll do that. And so I said, I'll do it for six months. Four years later, I resigned from that and bought my own at Dremoyne. And... Um, I, in that four years, um, I'd built up, Robin and I had built up a, um, uh, a deposit. We'd bought a house. Um, we, uh, and, and we had Stephanie. And when Stephanie was one, we um, said, right, we're selling the house because the rationale was the house can't buy a business, but a business can buy a house. And um, we started at Ampol Row Pantry at Dremoyne in 
two. And things, things were going okay there. Uh, I was told after I'd bought it, after I bought the franchise, that it was going to be hard work and that it would never succeed. And, um, you know, it'd be lucky if I didn't lose all my money. And when I sold it, it was in the top 10% of all Caltexes in Australia. So I don't know who told me that now, but he was wrong. Um, but what happened was that God had other plans for me. And um, his plan was me not to stay there. And so I got a letter from Caltex because it went from Ampol Road Pantry and Caltex took over. And I got a letter from Caltex and in that letter it said, Craig, your royalty payments are going from 10% of shop sales to 12%. That's a 20% increase. And in dollars and cents, that's $700 a week extra. I didn't know how we were going to afford that. And just as I um, put that letter down, I, I noticed that the Service Station Association magazine was there as well. So I opened that, just opened it up at a page. And on that page was a big ad that said, are you sick of paying oil company royalties? And I said, yes, I am. And I picked up the phone and I rang the number. Now, I was the treasurer of, that, of the Service Station Association at that time. I'd been a director for a few years. And, um, I, and I looked at that just thought, you know what, God, are you telling me something? So I rang the number and they said, do you know where Empire Bay is? I said, yes. And he said, you know, you're the only one that, that have rung in that knows where Empire Bay is. I said, well, I, I know it's over the Rip Ridge from Woiwoi. He said, absolutely. And um, so I said, okay, what's the deal? He said, three and a half million dollars and you can buy the land and the service station and everything. So I did my due diligence. And my due diligence said it was going to be an abject failure. Every person that I came across, I spoke to Shell, Caltex, BP, Mobile, they all said, you'll, you'll barely do 100,000 litres a month. The shop will be terrible. It will not work. So I continued with my due diligence and I came to a completely different conclusion. And so I took, I took the gamble and I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to have this, I'm going to take it but I'm not going to buy it, I'm going to rent it instead because I could rent it instead of buying. So that's what I did. I rented it. I rented it. It was the stupidest mistake I ever made because it was an outstanding success. Sure, they said it wouldn't do 100,000 litres a month. They were right. It did 450,000 litres a month. They said it'd be lucky to do $60,000 in shop sales a month. It did 90000 a week when I sold it. It was just a gold mine. We had great customers up there. One of them was Arthur Kelshaw. He, he and his wife used to come in every now and again. And um, we thought, God, this is fantastic. But, you know, when you, when you start these things, Sometimes things go awry, and I was undercapitalized. So Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so the issue I had was, 
I had a $73,000 bill I had to pay to Metcash. And I didn't know how to pay it. So one weekend in January, whether it was due, came to church here, over there, and um, I, after lunch I went up to the Empire Bay and I went through the accounts and I said, right, now how am I going to pay this? Who can I get the money from? I just can't pay it. I haven't got enough money. It's due on Tuesday. What do I do? I thought through all the options. I came up with nothing. And I said, Lord, you put me here. You wanted me to be here. I'm sure of it. I'm going to go broke because I can't pay this bill. I won't be able to get my groceries from Metcash. I don't know what to do. I need $73,000 and I need it by Tuesday. Then being cheeky, I said, Lord, if you're going to give me 73000 why don't you round it up to seventy five? Eighty thousand would be better. A hundred grand would be great. And so I then thought, well, I better go and tell Robin the bad news because we're in trouble. But before I could move a muscle, the phone ring rang. It was my brother. He said, How are you? I said, I'm great. How are you? He said, Fantastic. He said, How are shop sales? I said, Go and gangbusters. I said, so, what did you ring for? And he said, oh, I was just sitting here watching the cricket, Sunday afternoon, and I just thought, I wonder if Craig could do with $100,000. I said, well, a matter of fact, I could. He said, okay, I'll put it in your bank account tomorrow. I said, that'd be wonderful. I said, I can't pay you back straight away. He said, that's okay, I'll charge you interest, and we'll, we'll work that out later. I said, fantastic. I went home rejoicing that I had $100,000. But guess what I forgot to do? I forgot to thank God. It wasn't until two or three months later that I realised what had just happened, that God had moved, and I didn't recognise it at the time, but I recognised it a couple of months later. So from that moment, moment on, I've tried to recognise when God's um, been moving in my life. Anyway, I've missed out the move to Dural because that happened in two days before Christmas in 1999. I, uh, I, said to, I said to Robin, I said, we've got two days we can move in. I said, you've got a choice. I said, it's two days before Christmas. She said, what's the other choice? That's terrible. I said, the day before Christmas. She said, we'll go with the first one. And, and getting that house was, was, was from God as well. We, at that time, we were still at Dremoyne. Uh, I was still working at Dremoyne. And we looked at houses out here because we felt God was leading us out here. And, and I, we went to the open house. And Robin and I just said, this is our house. This is it. This is the one we're going to get in Quarry Road. I said to Robin, if we can't get this house, we can't move out here. All the rest are too far out. And so I said to the estate agent... I said, I'd like to make an offer on the house. It had been on the market for 620000 They dropped it to five ninety. I said, I'm going to make an offer. It was going to be very cheeky. It was going to be five eighty. And um, anyway, he said, sorry. Um, they've just accepted an offer of 584000 And I just looked at him and I said, that's okay, mate. Handed him a card and I said, when it falls through, give me a call. And walked away and said to myself, why did I say when? I meant to say if. I really was thought I was going to say if. It just came out when. Following Wednesday, rang, rang me up and said, 
how did you know that was going to fall through? And I, and I said, sorry, Lord, I didn't take the opportunity. And I said, um, I didn't know, I just knew it was my house. And so we got it. Then I had to convince the bank to give us the money and that took forever, and, but we got it. Another way that God has um, um, moved in my life. Anyway, I felt it was time to sell Empire Bay. Didn't know what I was going to do, but I just felt it was time. And, um, and the Lord moved there as well. Um, I tried to sell it. It didn't move. And I said to God, you know, Lord, I made a mistake here. Um, I'm just going to sit here until you sell it for me. Um, but Lord, if, if you're going to sell it, we probably need about 20 years or, or 25 years on the lease to sell. And thought nothing more since then. Nine months later, the landlords ring me up and they said, we want to come and talk to you. Now, there's three landlords, two brothers and a, and a friend, and they, they, all, they all came. And I knew if they, all of them came, they wanted something because when they just wanted to inspect the place, only two came, but when three came, they wanted something. So I waited and they said, look, we want you to do something. And I said, sure. And they said, we want you to sign a letter saying that when your lease becomes, comes up for re renewal that you're going to sign it. I said, sure, I can do that. I said, but it won't, and they were smiles all around, but they said, it won't do you any good. And they said, why won't it do us any good? I said, well, I'm presuming you're going to um, uh, refinance. And they said, yes. And I said, well, the bank knows I can sign that lender, but I don't actually have to do it. And they go, oh, I said, you'd be better off giving me a fresh lease. And they said, yeah, we can do that. So the fresh lease came. And I thought it'll be 10 years with five-year option um, because that was a standard, but it came with... 10 years, and a 20-year option. And I said, this is fantastic. I've got 20 years. I was about to sign it. They rang me up and said, can we change that? And I said, oh, okay, what do you want to change? Can we make that 15 years? And I thought, yeah, no problems. 15 years with a five-year option, not a problem. And when, the, when it came in, it was 15 years with two five-year options. I had a 25-year lease. Hadn't done anything really to, to get it, just, just trusted God. And so... I said, okay, Lord, you've given me the lease. Now I need the buyer. And I'm just going to stay here, stay on the path you put me on until you send me a buyer. And a year later, um, roundabout, United Petroleum rang me up and said, are you interested in selling your site, your business? And I said, I'm always interested for the right price. And they, we, we negotiated the right price. And, um, and I sold. There's a whole lot of God working in what happened there as well. But we're getting on. So then I um, didn't know what I was going to do. And um, in the last week of um, helping the new, the new people in, in the, up at Empire Bay, somebody from Friendly Grocers said, Craig, what are you going to do? And I said, don't know. Find somewhere closer to home. And they said, where's home? I said, Dural. And he said, oh, I got a phone call a couple of days ago. Somebody's looking, they're looking for somebody to take on the supermarket at Kenthurst. So I said, I'll give it a look. So that weekend, Robin and I went and had a look. And it was an absolute dump. Does anybody know the supermarket at Kenthurst? It was an absolute dump. And, um, and so we, we took that on, Robin and I. We expected to, well, I expected to um, spend half a million dollars on it. Ended up spending seven hundred thousand, but 
that's another story. Um, and then and things were, was, were running along quite well. And then um, one morning in um, 2015, we'd, we'd had the site for about 12 months, I woke up with chest pains. And I thought, hmm, it's a bit strange. I wonder what I should do. I think the best thing I do is go to work. That's what I'll do. So I went to work. And then I had, at work, I had chest pains. I had tingling in my fingertips. And I had pains in my back. And does anybody know what that means? So I went to the doctor next door. I said, Robin, I'm just going to duck into the doctor next door. It was um, about 10.30, uh, 10 o'clock. So I went in there and they said, yeah, come back in two hours. I said, better not. I've had chest pains all morning. And when you say that to a doctor, man, do they move. So I was in the examination room, shirt off. They had the ECG on me. And uh, the doctor there said, Craig, um, what you're telling me is you're having a heart attack, but I can't pick it up. So I've called an ambulance and you're going to the sand to get tested. So I went to... Um, I, the ambulance arrived and... Um, got in the back and um, they said, how's the pain? I said, oh, it's about a two, it's not a problem. And then they hooked me all up and they said, how's the pain? I said, oh, it's about a five now. And they said, uh, Mr. Glasby, you're not going to the sand, you're having a heart attack right now and we're taking you to Westmead. I said, don't worry, what, uh, we're about to give you a shot of morphine. And I said, yeah, please do, because the pain's about an eight now. And so they tried to, to give me a shot of morphine and the paramedic couldn't find a vein. And then the senior paramedic came and he couldn't find a vein. And they said, look, just hang on, we'll get you to the hospital ASAP. And that's when it hit me. I'm going through a heart attack. I have not called out to God once. I said to myself, Craig, you call yourself a Christian, where's your prayer? And so I said, Lord, please do something about this pain. And as soon as I prayed that, and I should have prayed it out loud and been a witness, but I didn't. As soon as I prayed that, the paramedic said, oh, a vein's popped up. Where did that come from? Stuck the needle in and gave me a shot of morphine. So um, went to the hospital, arrived, arrived, in the, um, arrived in emergency at 11 o'clock. I was on the table at quarter past 11, um, and the job done by half past 11. At two o'clock, I was returning phone calls, and I felt fantastic because I had a blockage between the, the, um, the lungs and the heart. So, um, yeah, the, the oxygen wasn't getting through like it should have been, and I felt fantastic. Until I tried to get up, then I felt not fantastic. But anyway, the doctor was very happy. He said, you can go home. The following day, I went home at um, 6 o'clock at night. They forgot to tell me that I wasn't allowed to drive, so I drove to work the next morning. Um, the doctor there freaked out and said, you've had a heart attack, get back home. So I went back home. <laughs> and so, um, yes, that's, um, that's how God affected me there. But uh, after I sold um, Kenthurst, we sold Kenthurst, um, I did some volunteer work here at the centre and that's when Dale um, uh, resigned 
And he said, Craig, you should take the job of sports manager. And I said, there's no way in the world that I'm ever going to work for the church. And um, two weeks later, after having a job interview with Foodworks, they wanted me to be area manager and basically I had the job. And I just felt God, he was saying, no, you're not going to Foodworks, you're staying here at the centre. And so I took the job. Um, I was extremely um, hesitant about it, but I just thought, Lord, you know what you're doing. You've known all along what you're doing. So um, I, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to take it. And um, it was interesting because I'd worked for myself for 25, 30 years and now I had, a, I had somebody I had to report to. I had um, Peter and I had a, 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 and a church council. But, um, and, and there was a major drop of income as well. Um, but Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So that's where we are. Um, Robin and I, we, we love the Lord. So do our girls and their husbands and, um, and any future grandchildren, I hope, will too. And um, we, um, we're here. We've been here for 22 years now. And, um, and the, the move from Epping Baptist to here, there was a real feeling that we were not meant to be Epping and Baptist, not meant to be at Epping Baptist. But we are just... Well, I for one, I better say me because my wife's down there, she can't talk. Um, I for one am entrenched here to do God's work um, because I know that um, whatever, you, whatever you do for God, you get rewarded. It might not be in this life, but it'll be in the next one. And you get the, the feeling of the satisfaction of knowing you're doing God's work is... is it can't be replaced in, by monetary gain at all. So, yeah, that's my testimony. Who's up next? Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.